The Truth News Network. Politicians lie, media pundits swear to it, and we're kept in gathering darkness and fed... Well, you know. How do you keep saying? You stand on the truth, that's how. TNN, the Truth News Network. And to stand with you is Dan Newman. I got this, folks. I got it. We together, we're going to get it. Absolutely. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Thank you so much for being a part of this thing. And we don't take your doing so and making those choices. We don't take that for granted. We certainly don't take you for granted. Thank you for being here. Let me just give you some good news about TNN Live. It's growing. The listenership from around the world is growing, but mostly in the United States. And I think that's because people really are hungry for some other source for news and information other than what we're being inundated with in mainstream media. And sadly, some of the big conservative news outlets are not really giving us all the truth. They're nitpicking the little pieces they want us to know. Now, what are you talking about, Dan? Be specific. Well, let me just tell you this. Folks, even at Fox News now, and I am an ardent Fox fan. I have been. I am one of the founding members of Fox Nation. And um, it's not because I agree with everything that I hear and see at Fox News. It's because they come closest to giving me the truth with all the facts than any other news outlet. But what I do, and what I encourage all of you to do, is every time you hear something or see something, and it feels like it might be good, or the opposite is true. It feels like it might be false. If it's an important topic, find the truth. Go dig. If it's a Fox News story, check their their sources. Go find that yourself just to verify trust, but verify. And I think that's why more of you are tuning in every day. And we get a lot of live uh, audience members, but we get a huge amount of people after the fact that are listening to the podcast that go live just minutes after the live show is finished. They go up on Apple iPads, uh, excuse me, Apple podcast, and also Spotify podcast. And if you want to get this show there anytime, if you miss all or part of it, you can do that just on your iPhone. If you've got an iPhone, click on that podcast uh, app that comes with your phone. And when it comes up, go to the search bar and type in TNN Live. Almost immediately, the entire group of podcasts that are posted there, TNN Live will come up And the most current one is at the top of the list. Just click on it. You can listen. You can download whatever you want. Same thing holds true on Spotify. But spread the news. Tell some people you know, hey, uh, I'm hooked up with uh, a news source that's nonpartisan, very conservative, but gives us facts. And just get them to listen in. Go to the website occasionally. Tell them about truthnewsnet.org, the stories that are published there. And uh, you, can't, you can't do anything but point people in a specific direction, folks. And when you do that, after that point, it's up to them to make choices for themselves. We do not feel like we are endowed or maybe even anointed to tell people what to think or how to think. What we're endowed with 
is a requirement, and you have the same requirement, to point people towards truth and encourage people to look for and find and verify truth and not to adopt things just because someone that they they think may be really real. Don't adopt that just because they say it. Find out for yourself what the facts are. And speaking of facts, there are a lot of them, a lot of big stories today here at Truth News Network, TNN Live. A lot of them. We've got southern border information. We have COVID-19 information. Yeah, we really do. And from Congress, some big-time information. You're going to hear from uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. You're going to hear from Senator Ted Cruz. You'll hear from some other folks, and you're going to hear some information that may shock you a little bit. So just hang in here. I know two hours is a long time, but even if you have to get up and move away from your computer, stick the earbuds in. You've got Wi-Fi. You've got Bluetooth. You can walk around the house or walk around the office and still listen in. But if you miss it, don't, don't even hesitate to go grab it later at Apple Podcast or Spotify. So where do we start today? Let me ask you this. Every day it seems like we hear another horror story about wokeness and about the teachers and the teachers' unions ramming critical race theory down the minds of our youngest in America, our kids, our students. So I think it's fair to say that you'll agree, wokeness has infiltrated every industry, every single one from the military to the media to philanthropy. It's been successful despite a big lack of public support, and that's scary. But according to Hoover Institution Senior Fellow Victor David Hansen, there is a way to stop it. Now, I want you to listen closely today. The word was first printed, wokeness, in a 1962 New York Times essay, and through the years has meant conscious and aware. The Oxford Dictionary, it notes that the term originally meant well-informed or up-to-date, but now it chiefly means alert to racial or social discrimination and injustice. Victor David Hansen, I really have a lot of huge amount of respect for him. He just tells the facts. He puts it out there. He challenges to think. So in an interview with Fox News, he told Fox News that wokeness, as we think of it today, has its roots in decades of critical theory coming from guess where? Universities. Today, it's intertwined with cancel culture, critical race theory, and progressive activism. And folks, it literally is everywhere you look, even when you don't see it. You can bet on it. It's there. The U.S. military, I can't believe the military has actually bought into this, but they have. Under the Biden administration, the military has offered personal development classes that are focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and General Mark Milley, who is chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he defended the teaching of CRT, critical race theory, and other woke curriculum in military academies in front of the House Armed Services Committee. A general, the number one general in our military, folks, he's touting equity, and we've defined here at TNN Live for you several times. We've talked about the difference between equity 
and equality. Equality is what is guaranteed by our government. Equity is something that was created by these woke folks. The difference is equality is absolute. It just is what it is. Equity, however, can be developed, can be edited, can be changed by people who determine what is equitable and what isn't. Big difference there. The U.S. military is doing that, those classes. The media has similarly come under fire for their activism. The New York Times Magazine, a reporter, Nicole Hannah-Jones, declared that all journalism is activism. Can you believe a reporter would say that? All journalism is activism. Journalism is supposed to just be journalism, telling us about stuff, not trying to indoctrinate or teach us. CBS News reporter Kate Smith leaving the network and then immediately declared her advocacy for abortion rights. School districts are facing public outcry across the nation about their teaching of critical race theory, leading many states to go so far as to ban it in the curriculum in their schools. Even generosity is not immune. Generosity, giving money, philanthropy, Naomi Schaefer Riley noted in an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal that nonprofits, big and small, they've shifted their missions toward combating inequity and systematic racism. And according to Elise Westhoff, president of the Philanthropy Roundtable, donors are facing intimidation and threats of violence just for supporting causes that they believe in. Hansen said the push toward wokeness picked up speed during the Obama administration when there was a separation of race from class and a movement to lump everybody that's non-white into one homogenous identity called diversity. But it wasn't until the last year and a half that wokeness reached a fever pitch. Hansen said this, I think the perfect storm of COVID fears, locking down two-thirds of the population for 15 months, the self-induced recession, the Trump derangement syndrome, the George Floyd death, the 120 days of riots, the inactivity and inability to get people to meet one another, the crazy election, all of that was the spark of the fuse that lit the pre-existing problems. For opponents of the societal push toward wakeness, wokeness, Hansen said not all hope is lost. The majority of Americans don't support it either. This is a quote from him. Whatever aspect that we look at in wokeness, whether it's gender or race or immigration, transgenderism, it doesn't have public support. 68% of American adults... 68% disapprove of the Biden administration's handling of the southern border, where an open-door policy has led to a massive influx of illegals into the country. A Fox News poll showed that despite a raging debate in many communities over critical race theory being taught in schools, half of the voters say they have never even heard of it. Only a quarter of Americans are in favor of teaching it to U.S. students. A Pew Research study showed 73% of us say college admission should not be based on race. 
One thing is clear about this trend that has dominated much of academia, media, and corporate America. It does not stem from overwhelming grassroots support. Those who scream the loudest seem to be the ones that carry the day when you figure out or try to figure out, are most people thinking like this or how many are not? you got to push through all of the loudness and find the facts. Most Americans don't want wokeness. They don't want critical race theory. Hansen said it's because proponents of woke ideology are now in leadership. And guess who put them in charge? Americans did. Unlike the 60s revolution, he said, which were protesting outside the corporation or outside the New York Times or Hollywood, these people are inside, these leaders now. They've taken over. So they run Hollywood. They run the NBA. They run Major League Baseball. They run the NFL. They run Wall Street. They run Silicon Valley. They run universities, and they run the media. Boy, that's a cluster of power brokers, isn't it? Let's say that again. Hollywood, NBA, MLB, Major League Baseball, NFL, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, universities, and they run the media. They infiltrated these institutions and they took them over. So that's what explains why an agenda that has very little popular support continues to thrive. Mainstream media has fully bought into this ideology and can't be counted on to report on it fairly. Outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, are now fused. They're one and the same with the woke mob. They pick left-wing reporters, so you can't count on the media to stop wokeness or to report on its setbacks. They're not going to do it. That's why we say here all the time, find the facts. Find the facts. The left has succeeded in pushing this ideology into every part of our American life. You know how they're doing it? They're organized, they're committed, and their opponents have just got to learn how to fight fire with fire. So let's make the transition. Woke mob, critical race theory, they're all in the same bucket, but they're a little bit different. Have you heard about this? A Minnesota fourth grade student and her mom expressed some concern to their local school board after her class. Now we're talking about a fourth grader. Her class was given an equity survey. Students were told not to tell their parents about it. I wonder why. Why would they actually tell fourth graders, don't tell mom about this survey we're taking? You know why. They don't want moms to know about it. So sitting alongside her mother, Kelsey, fourth grader Haley Yasgar, in a Monday interview, said that the questions were confusing. It made her very nervous and uncomfortable when the students were told not to tell their parents. According to a video that was uploaded by Alpha News, when students didn't understand some of the survey questions, they were told by a teacher in the Sartell St. Stephen School District to not repeat the survey questions to mom or dad. The survey asked questions that some students didn't understand. Even after hearing an explanation from their teacher, Stumps still couldn't comprehend the survey question. The George Floyd incident sparked a nationwide conversation on race and the role of the cops. 
policing. School districts across America are pushing critical race theory on students to attempt to contextualize current events on everything and make everything about race. CRT curriculum has sparked a national conversation about the role of race and racism in school districts. Compared to actual racism, critical race theory is often a school of thought that generally focuses on how power structures and institutions impact racial minorities. That's all that's important, how it impacts racial minorities. This little girl, Kelsey Yaskar, said that although parents were informed that the equity audit was taking place, they were not informed on the date of the activity, nor were they given any other details. She explained further that due to the lack of transparency from the school district and from Equity Alliance Minnesota, the third party that administered the survey, parents were not informed of the questions being asked to the students. Yaskar was very upset when her daughter told her, that teachers instructed her not to repeat any of the questions. I do want to say, though, I believe that this wasn't a single case that her teacher made this decision. We'd been informed that this came down from the administration and from Equity Alliance of Minnesota and instructed them to make sure the kids didn't share the info with mom or dad, and that should pose a great concern in any parent's eyes. Victor David Hansen, he closed one interview in discussion wokeness and critical race theory with these thoughts. Listen to this. Republicans are very polite. They don't cancel people. They don't boycott. They don't get angry. They don't get noisy. And he's one of the calmest, most matter-of-fact, mild-mannered people I've ever been in contact with. And he said, I think that's got to (laughs) stop. The people who oppose wake ideology are half the country, he continued, but they aren't organized like the other half is, the left. So I think they have to use the same methodology to fight back. Otherwise, they're going to be steamrolled by a minority that doesn't have popular support. That's very much better organized and much better funded. Hansen said he could already see the public backlash against wokeism, the most notable examples being school board protests and Eric Adams, who was a pro-law enforcement candidate, winning the Democratic mayoral primary up in New York. But on a larger scale, he said, it's going to take a charismatic, effective candidate who doesn't polarize people and says, look, we're not going to throw away the traditions of the United States because of a bad year or a bankrupt theory. I think the Republicans, he said, are going to have a big midterm election. That's what destroyed the Obama administration when the Tea Party pickup of 63 seats happened in the House in 2010. So I think it can be stopped because there's no public support for it. It seems like there is hope to stop the insanity. You can see the layers of the onion of you know, misinformation and not knowing. You can see them being peeled back a little bit every day, and that's a good thing. We've all got to wake up and understand that good things don't always just happen. Evil dominates the process of instigating 
bad things. Let's hope Americans will come to life and will cancel, cancel culture, wokeness, and critical race theory. It's absolutely insane what the far left are doing to our country. And they're not just thinking about it or talking about it, folks. They're doing it. They're absolutely doing it. And many of us, many who don't feel that way, don't like it. As you heard, the statistics are out there that say a little more than half of the nation is definitely against it. And almost half of the nation don't even know what critical race theory is. Educate, teach, talk about, have conversations. You know what, what really, really bothers me the most? And we, we, we bring you all the good, the bad, the ugly, and pretty much everything that we cover here at TNN Live. And we do that to get it all out. Talk about it all. Talk about what you're going to hear and see. Whether it's true or not, that's part of the conversation. But we very seldom tell you it's absolutely this. We encourage you to go find out for yourself. But that's not the general way things happen. You know what really bothers me about the biggest thing in the COVID-19 stuff that bothers me? Now, Fox News, who I like a lot, as you know, Fox News, their online anchors and show hosts are touting the COVID-19 vaccinations. They're encouraging everybody. In fact, they're demonstrative. They're out front saying, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. But you know what? Nobody, even in conservative media, is talking about on any of the network shows or any of the newspapers that I can find. Thousands, tens of thousands of people here and around the world are dying in horrible ways. Some even getting permanently disabled immediately upon taking a vaccination. Any one of the four that are out there, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer, they all do it. We give you the numbers here every Friday from the CDC website. The CDC, they're not even talking about it. They don't talk about adverse effects. And for the second week, listen to this, the second week in a row, second week in a row, here's something nobody's telling you but Truth News Network. Straight from the CDC website, the second week in a row, COVID-19 official cause of death, the number of people that died last week from COVID-19, more had the vaccination, one of the three that's allowed here in the United States, more vaccinated people died of COVID-19 last week than did people that had not been vaccinated two weeks in a row. The CDC, have you heard Fauci touted on television? No. Have you heard any of the politicians, who certainly some of, at least, know these facts, have you heard them talk about it? Why aren't they talking about it? That's the question we all should be asking. And in the wake of that, the White House yesterday has offered their very vocal support for vaccine mandates. They're pushing it hard, arguing they were meant to keep Americans safe from the coronavirus. I wonder, I really wonder if that's what they were supposed to be about. I think it was what they were supposed to be about. 
But folks, every day I'm beginning to lean more and more to the fact that there is a weaponization process in place to use everything about coronavirus against political enemies. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. I would say, though, that mandates, as is evidenced by the hospital associations, those are meant to keep people safe around the country. Do you smell a little bit of salesmanship there? Selling all Americans that have a big question mark. The American Hospital Association backed vaccine mandates for hospital and healthcare workers last week. An idea that over 50 medical groups endorsed in a joint statement yesterday. When pressed on the idea of vaccine mandates for frontline workers, Saki repeated that the White House supports the idea. Now, here we go again. Here's the White House. Joe Biden, a mediocre politician at best. Kamala Harris, an abysmal member of San Francisco, California government, so far hadn't done anything as vice president. They're telling you and me, oh, yeah, yeah, forcing everybody to get a Vaccination, that's the thing to go. Where's the follow the science thing here? Where is it? Saki said, I think I just I just said we support the step they could they took. That could be a guide for us on what to do with our own healthcare workforce here from the federal government. In other words, the VA, you heard what they did. Government outfit yesterday, they announced a coronavirus vaccine mandate for their employees providing direct patient care to veterans. And if they don't want to do it, they face removal from their jobs. The Department of Veterans Affairs. Think about that. Men and women who volunteered in the most part went and potentially gave their lives. Many of them hurt and battled, disabled, whatever, but they went to serve their country. They come back. Think about those nursing home folks up in New York and New Jersey and Michigan and Pennsylvania. Those nursing home people that didn't have COVID, but some in their facilities tested positive for COVID and the government shoved them made them go back into those facilities where they infected thousands of other elderlies just by being there. Put that in the context of what's happening now at the VA. And it's not just the VA folks. New York City, California now require government workers to be vaccinated or to show their COVID-19 test every week. Mayor Bill de Blasio, Comrade de Blasio, he announced that New York City now requires all of its municipal workers, including teachers, by the way, police officers, to get vaccines by mid-September or face weekly virus testing. The rule is expected to affect about 340,000 city employees in New York City alone, making the city one of the largest employers in the U.S. to take this kind of action. It's not officially a vaccine mandate. No workers there are going to be forced to take the shot. 
Officials hope the inconvenience and discomfort of those weekly tests will persuade many to overcome their reluctance to take the jab. Some of the unions, yeah, here we go. You you know, you got a bunch of employees, municipal employees, they're all members of the unions. Some of the unions representing city workers balked at that announcement, reminding everybody the city can't impose the requirement without negotiations. That's part of their union contracts. New York City is a union town. That can't be ignored. That's from Henry Garrido, executive director of District Council 37 of government employees. DC 37 represents about 100,000 New York City workers across multiple departments. Just hours after de Blasio made his announcement, California officials said it will similarly require proof of vaccination or weekly testing for all their state workers and healthcare employees starting next month. Here's what Gavin Newsom said. Oh, my favorite governor on the planet, right? As the state's largest employer, we are leading by example in requiring all state and healthcare workers to show proof of vaccination or be tested regularly. We're encouraging local governments and businesses to do the same. The new measure for state workers will go into effect August 2nd. Testing will be phased in over the next few weeks. Now, let me put something in context here. What I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind. Oh, we're going to test them every week, once a week. We're going to test them. We're going to test them. You probably didn't hear about what I'm going to tell you. The CDC, very quietly over the weekend, they notified the FDA, the Federal Drug administration, you know, the government entity that controls everything and makes us do everything the CDC says we got to do. The CDC sent a note and said they are going to pull their support for the PCR test that everybody that has taken COVID-19 tests, the ones that come back, many of them, we're not given accurate numbers to know how many of them came back false positive, how many of them came back false negative, but we know they ain't right a bunch of the time. The CDC's pulling those, taking those out of the marketplace. They're not going to accept the PCR test anymore as being valid, like it's been valid in the last 15 months. No. And why, why have we subjected ourselves to the PCR test? Because the CDC told us it was good for us. They've been telling us the vaccinations are good for us. They published the fact that 15,000 Americans have died since January 1 after taking the vaccination. And I'm not talking about the breakthrough infection deaths. I'm talking about people having adverse reactions to a COVID shot. 15,000. Our government's supposed to give us facts. They're supposed to make laws and regulations based on facts, not on assumptions. Who are they? Who is anybody but you? For yourself and your family members, who should be the sole arbiter of what you do medically. Do you know who Dak Prescott is? Dak Prescott. He's actually from my city. He he actually grew up 
Went to high school, played football in Houghton, Louisiana, which is a suburb of Shreveport, Bossier. Used to live there many years ago. Great, great place to live. Kind of a rural community right up next to a bigger city. Houghton High School, a great high school. He was a phenomenal athlete, and he still is. Went to Mississippi State, did a great job there. He's a Dallas Cowboy quarterback, and he's a smart guy. No doubt that he makes a lot of money. He was asked in the last couple of days about his status on the COVID-19 shot and the political perspective the NFL has taken. They're not mandating any of their players or any coaches necessarily take the vaccination. I'll take that back. They are mandating coaches and front office people, but not players. And they too are under a massive, very egregious and far-reaching collective bargaining agreement with the players. Dak Prescott responded in the most intelligent way anybody could. They asked him if he'd taken the shot, what he thought about the NFL's position. His response was this. Healthcare information is private by federal law, the HIPAA law. This is a HIPAA issue, so I can't discuss it with you. End of conversation. Folks, I don't care how much the government tells us, if we're not wearing a mask, if we're not social distancing, if we haven't taken the vaccination, we're killing everybody else around us. I don't care how much they scare us, how much bad information, how back and forth the do this and don't do that, they go immediately flipping to the other side. Of course, when they are wrong, when the information they give us wrong, they never come out and say we're wrong. They just tell you to do it another way. Never take accountability for it. And in the meantime, guess what happens? People get really sick and people die. It's nobody's business but yours about your health care. And by federal law, federal law, it stays between you and your doctor unless you in writing give the authority to somebody to get involved in it. Just remember that. Hey guys, we're just getting started. And it gets better, (laughs) much better. Back in a minute. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry, dragon fruit, and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Unforgettable. That's what you are. Leo Dutton perfume. Like the memory of a beautiful song. Lingers on and on. Léa Dutton Perfume, the classic French fragrance that you can wear anywhere, anytime, makes you unforgettable. Léa Dutton Perfume by Nina Ricci. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. 
It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. Language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. There's only one Dan Newman. Anymore. Well, that just wouldn't be fair. I don't know about how fair it is. I'm glad there's only one of me. I mean, I'd have to shave another head every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm bald. We were just talking about those frontline workers. You know, Gavin Newsom's going to make all the California employees, including those in hospitals, be vaccinated or be tested again and again. Do you know, have you wondered what frontline workers in the nation feel about the vaccines and feel about getting vaccinated? It's not what the left wants to tell us nearly 60% of 700 doctors who responded to the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, that's the AAPS, they did an online poll a couple of weeks ago. 60% of the 700 claimed they are not fully vaccinated against COVID. In comparison, the American Medical Association claims that 96% of practicing doctors are completely immunized. This was based on a response of 300 people. Although neither one of these studies shows a representative sample of all of the doctors in America, the AAPS survey reveals that physician support for the mass injection campaign is far from universal. It's wrong to call a person who declines a shot an anti-vaxxer. That's according to Jane Orient, MD, Executive Director of the AAP. Virtually no doctors are anti-antibiotics, are anti-surgery, whereas all are opposed to treatments that they think are unnecessary, more likely to harm than to benefit an individual patient or inadequately tested. According to the AAPS study, 54% of doctors were aware of patients who had experienced a significant adverse reaction, more than half. 80% of unvaccinated doctors replied, I believe risk of shots exceeds risk of disease. 30% said, I already had COVID. We still have unknown long-term consequences. We're still having the use of aborted fetal tissue. It's experimental, folks. Availability of effective early therapy entails the fatalities and blood clots or among the other reasons for refusing the injection by these doctors. 56% of 560 practicing doctors indicated they provided early COVID therapy. Non-physicians were also encouraged to take part in the poll. 2,548 people out of a total of 5,300 gave their opinions on any related negative effects they were aware of. Amputation, paralysis, stillbirth, menstruation abnormalities, blindness, convulsions, and heart problems were among them. Causality is not proven. 
This is according to that same doctor, Dr. Orion. It's not proven. However, many of these adverse episodes might have resulted in a huge product liability or malpractice award if they had occurred after a new drug. Purveyors of these COVID-19 products, they can't be sued. There's no liability for anybody but the person who takes the shot. The government protects them, protects them all from lawsuits. Since 1943, this group of doctors and surgeons, the AAPS, has represented doctors of every speciality. Its slogan is Omnia Pro Agrato, which translates to everything for the patient. I think we are far, far away from that with this COVID-19 stuff. Everything about COVID, everything about COVID is about political perspective. If you don't like it, if you question the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine, forget that in American medical history, a vaccine, no drug has ever been brought to the market in such a short time. No vaccination has ever been brought to the market in such a short time. No vaccination has ever been willy-nilly across the nation popped into the arms of Americans and around the world without going through exhaustive human trials and has never before happened anything like this, especially in light of it being only authorized for emergency use, only supposed to be given under the supervision, the direct supervision of a doctor. And for months now, you've been able to go to a drive through under a tent, stick your arm out and get popped by a nurse. Don't know anything about you. You sign a form that says you're okay and you're agreeing to it, but they don't know who you are. There's a horrible story that came out over the weekend about adverse effects from two people, a husband and wife. They're from a country in the middle of Africa. I forget which country it is. They came to the United States legally. They're in the ministry. They're missionaries. They were told, you need to get a COVID-19 vaccination. Both of them did. Both of them had adverse reactions, but the woman, horrible reactions. You know how horrible? Both of her hands and both of her legs since June have had to be amputated. Why don't they tell us about these stories? Why do we have to dig and reach way back in the annals and hope we find some facts? Why don't they listen to who they tell us to listen to? The science, the science. We've had here on our show several doctors, Dr. Judy Mikovits, who is at the epicenter of this. She was at the epicenter side by side with Tony Fauci when they did all the HIV AIDS stuff and came out with the medications for it, the treatment for HIV AIDS back in the 90s. Dr. Fleming, Dr. Fleming, an amazing research doctor in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. He was on the show with us, 25, 30 minutes with us. Judy Mikovits, an hour and 45 minutes back in May, a year ago, before any of this stuff began to happen, and she laid it out on the air for all of our people listening. Exactly what has happened 
along the way, including what Dr. Fauci has done. She worked side by side with him. They got opposite. He tried to destroy her career. She had to sign a massive gag order. She couldn't say anything for 10 years about the what was going on between her and Fauci. We were the first site that she came to when that gag order expired. There's a movie coming out, her exposing all of all kinds of stuff in medicine. Folks, if it quacks and waddles, it's always a duck. And this vaccine and this push and rush and the demand for vaccines, it's quacking. Now, what kind of duck is it? We don't know yet, but for the government, for the government, very few medical degrees in Congress. There are some, but very few. Politicians are determining what we are supposed to do that they tell us is best for us and everybody around us medically. We may have been born at night, but we weren't born last night. This insanity has got to stop. Now, let me tell you, you're like me. Every day I ask this when we do these stories. What? Why are they doing this? Why are they saying this? And we've always told you, if there's ever any question about anything that happens in politics, ask one question every time. Follow the money. Follow the money. Where the money is, where it comes from, that's typically in almost every case. If it's not the sole reason, it's way up at the top. And I have felt for a long time that the federal government under Democrat control, they desperately want as many people in our country as they can make dependent on the government financially. They want that to happen. Explain to me why all of this trillions and trillions of dollars of just giveaways. Yeah, we needed it. We certainly needed it. We're going to tell you about one thing that will blow your mind about needing money and assistance and what our federal government did with it. A little bit later in the show, we'll probably do this in our second hour. But they're just being too forthcoming. Oh, yeah, give us a chance. We're going to send you some more money. Oh, yeah, you you can depend on it. We're going to give you money on top of your state unemployment benefits, and that's going to give you a reason why not to go back to work. Listen to what this president rolled out yesterday about this. Joe Biden said this yesterday. Americans who are experiencing long-term symptoms of COVID-19, long-term, may qualify for federal disability resources and must receive accommodations for those long-term symptoms of COVID-19. Now, why would they say must receive accommodations? The federal government, the American people, aren't responsible for COVID. Maybe part of our government is. Maybe not. We don't know. The Departments of Justice and Health and Human Services released new guidance yesterday that categorizes long COVID. Remember that term, long COVID. They've categorized it as a physical or mental impairment. 
What does that do? It entitles people with the illness to discrimination protections under the ADA, the American Disabilities Act. How does it work? Well, anybody that had COVID could develop long-term symptoms, even if the initial illness was mild. People can experience symptoms of long COVID months and months after first being infected with the virus. Symptoms include fatigue, brain fog, difficulty breathing, heart palpitations, chest pain, loss of taste or smell, and joint or muscle pain. Yes, but, there's always a but with the government. Health and Human Services said long COVID is not always a disability. Quote, this is from the directive they put out yesterday. An individualized assessment is necessary to determine whether a person's long COVID condition or any of its symptoms substantially limits a major life activity. What they're really saying is this, folks. Many Americans who seemingly recover from the virus still face lingering challenges like breathing problems, brain fog, chronic pain, and fatigue. That's President Biden saying that. He was explaining it during an event to mark the 31st anniversary of the American Disabilities Act. These conditions can sometimes rise to the level of a disability. So we're bringing agencies together to make sure Americans with long COVID who have a disability have access to the rights and resources that are due under the Disability Act. The Department of Education, by the way, will also provide information on schools' responsibilities for adapting services to students for whom long COVID is a disability. This is from the White House again. In the big picture, here's what we see. A study last month from Fair Health found that about 23% of COVID patients have developed at least one persistent or new medical condition more than four weeks after their initial diagnosis. The American Medical Association's House of Delegates, the top physicians group in the country, last month called for policies to better diagnose and to treat better long-haul COVID-19 and endorse guidelines for guiding any future vaccine mandates and credentials. Do you see what's happening here? There are, sad to say, but there is a far bigger than I would like to see segment in our society that are looking for a free ride. And these determinations of these various things, did you hear how uh, at the 10,000, 20, 30,000 foot level all these things are? No definitives, nothing broad brush like breathing problems. I have breathing problems. When I gain weight and I walk, or I ride a bike, I breathe hard. My chest pounds. They include brain fog, chronic pain, and fatigue. Do you know how difficult it would be, or will be, because this is going to happen, to put a thumb on the specifics of fatigue and chronic pain and brain fog and breathing problems? But there's one commonality in it all. People will sign up for it. Why? 
It's free money. It's free money. And it's bigger and bigger and bigger government. Do you know how hard it is to end government subsidies of any kind after they're first instituted? It's virtually impossible. House Speaker Pelosi very famously said, ah, you know, we want people to be looking for us, looking to us for subsistence, for help. And we know that when the Democrats pass laws like this, it's almost impossible to do away with them later. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of what she said. We're living in a dangerous time, and the most dangerous part of where we're living, folks, is the part that our government is directly involved in. Sad to say, but that's so. So meanwhile, have you heard any noise coming out of Congress of late? All you hear about is the January 6th committee. Nancy Pelosi, she put the committee together to find out everybody that was involved in January 6th insurrection, riot, or whatever you want to call it. Of course, they want to find out and find some way to damn Donald Trump. Put it all on his shoulders. He's the sole responsible. And we've told you the FBI, using facial recognition software, they identified 500-plus people that were there, and they've arrested. They've made over 511 arrests of those people. And, of course, they stopped there. The truth is always something different than what mainstream media tells you. Right here, I reported, because we've been tracking those 500 arrests. Several have been resolved, plea deals. One guy's gone to jail. But they're not putting out any of the names of the people that were arrested, any of the details. Do you know we find out that almost all of those 500 that were arrested are behind bars? They are given no access to attorneys. They haven't been formally charged. They're being held in solitary confinement, only allowed to see the light of day one hour every day. One out of 24 hours. Well, why haven't we heard about that, Dan? Well, it's because they're not allowed to talk to their attorneys. They're not allowed to have visitors. They haven't been charged. They've been told, keep your mouth shut or this will go bad for you. Now, do you want to hear the irony of all this? You put those two things together, Nancy Pelosi's committee and the FBI doing what they're doing. Do you know we found out yesterday, it slipped out, just some of the egregious things these 500 are being charged with. Nothing a felony measure. Nothing. Basically trespassing, kind of the same thing. That's what almost all of them are being charged with. So why are they being held? Why is this happening in such egregious situations? I mean, think about it. No bail, no charges, no visitors, no lawyers. All of that is unconstitutional. That's being nice. That's being kind. Who's driving this whole thing? Let me tell you at the bottom of it, and I'm pretty good with predictions when it comes to why when we talk about politics. There are people that were seriously implicated and involved in these January 6th riots. Chief among those people was Nancy Pelosi. Second was Chuck Schumer. 
Capitol, the U.S. Capitol, is always policed at the authority of whoever the leaders of the party that's currently in power in Congress. In this case, Chuck Schumer at the Senate. He's the Senate Majority Leader. Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker. Very early into this January 6th stuff, it was all over the news that all of the intelligence agencies had, as much as months before, warned Washington, D.C. about impending problems on Inauguration Day, on the January 6th day, when you go to confirm the electoral votes. And so when they say, we warned them, we, we sent out a notification We sent out a recommendation to bring the National Guard in. The Trump administration, they wanted the National Guard to come in before that January 6th date. And they were told by who? Nope, can't come. Nancy Pelosi. This whole thing, it's pointing at the House Speaker and the Majority Leader in the Senate. I guarantee you, they're at the bottom of this. And you heard what they tagged Donald Trump saying that the election November 3rd wasn't free and fair and the outcome was slanted, it was cheated, it was stolen. They call that the big lie. Let me tell you what's going on now in Washington, D.C. This committee is, they're getting ready to do their stuff and they are going to make tons of noise about it. There is going to be very little, if any, substance there. We're not going to find anything new. But what we are going to see is a parade of people that will on national television. It's going to be all over C-SPAN Live every day. You can book it. You're going to see all these people saying bad things about these Republicans in Congress and about the former president of the United States. After all, we all know Donald Trump. He is evil. He's responsible. In everything, everything that happens bad in the nation, before he ran for president, while he was president, and certainly now, he's out there stirring up the fires of animosity among the American people, and he is subverting the rule of law by taking over people's minds. That's what he's doing. At least they tell us that. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 101010. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did, but now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody, I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express. 
a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Folks, we have a couple of more blockbusters about COVID-19. Before we get to that, I want to let you hear what uh, Mitch McConnell had to say, the U.S. Senate, about this infrastructure bill that the Democrats are trying to ram down the throats of the American people that has very little to do, at least percentage-wise, with infrastructure. And they're not telling you this. McConnell's fixing to share the details, but do you know Schumer is trying to push it through the Senate, force a vote on a multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill, and guess what? The bill's not even been created. It's not written. (laughs) So you can bet that that bill, if it ever is created, is going to be over a thousand pages. So basically what Democrats are telling us, oh, they've got to pass it. They've got to pass it. The American people want it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it just like we did the original Obamacare bill. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to know what's in it. We'll give them a little potpourri of what's included in it and just tell everybody, hey, let's pass this. The American people want it. Well, what's in it? What are, where's the pork in it? What is it that Americans are not going to like when it comes out later? Oh, there's none of that in there. Well, you always have it in there. No, not this time. Just trust us. (laughs) Listen to McConnell break this down. Uh, Today, the Democratic leader appears uh, to be intent on calling a vote he knows will fail. For several weeks now, Republicans and Democratic senators have been working together, trying to assemble a bipartisan package for our nation's infrastructure. It's an important and a complex subject. They're talking about big projects and big sums of money. They're still talking, still working, still negotiating in good faith across the aisle. But these discussions have yet to conclude. There's no outcome yet, no bipartisan agreement, no text, nothing for the Congressional Budget Office to evaluate, and certainly nothing on which to vote, not yet. So obviously, if the Democratic leader tries to force a cloture vote on a bill that does not exist, it will fail. Around here, we typically write the bills before we vote on them. That's the custom. Of course, here in the Senate, a failed cloture vote does not mean no forever. In the middle of the early COVID crisis back in March of 2020, with Americans under stay-home orders and financial markets plummeting, Senate Democrats withheld cloture from the CARES Act multiple times so they could continue haggling behind the scenes. Now, this was during a real emergency. Every day, every hour was crucial. But Senate Democrats blocked cloture multiple times until various details were fine-tuned to their liking. 
Here's what the Democratic leader said while his side tanked those cloture votes last March, uh, March of 2020. The majority leader was well aware of how this vote would go before it happened, but he chose to move forward with it anyway, even though negotiations are continuing. So who's playing games? That was the Democratic leader in March of 2020 in the middle of a national emergency. That, of course, was a fast-moving global crisis with bipartisan text already in hand. There was a bill. Yet Senate Democrats insisted on taking their time in the middle of this national 100-year pandemic. Now, we're talking about long-term infrastructure investments that will pay out over many years, but he wants to vote before any agreement even exists. So this stunt is set to fail. The Democratic leader will be free to change his vote and move to reconsider whenever a bipartisan product actually exists. Couple of things in that. First of all, my gosh, will somebody please get a hold of the Senate minority leader and ask him just to get up in front of a microphone and talk to people? I want everybody to know the majority leader doesn't have anything that he can tell us other than, come on, y'all, trust us. My gosh, just say what you have on your mind and what you need to say, Mitch. Let's get on with it. That's number one. Number two. Nobody in mainstream media is telling the American people there's no bill. There's nothing. There's nothing that can be graded for the accuracy of what's told to us regarding the spending in this bill. And it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest bill ever to be presented, to be passed. And if it's passed, it's going to be the biggest spending bill ever. And they want members of the U.S. Senate to vote on it without seeing a bill, without any time at all to understand what they're voting for or against? What kind of government is this? What kind of political party is this? I've never heard, not of a single instance, where Republicans have done that in the U.S. Congress. Just trust us. You know, it's only several trillion dollars. It's going to be okay. I can't wait. It may come up that we're going to get a chance to vote on it, and it may come up in that in that case that we're going to be able to see what's in it and be able to analyze it. I bet you there's a lot of junk in it that has nothing to do with what the bill is supposed to be about. What you want to bet? Politics, they're just crazy. It just blows my mind. Now, a couple of those things I wanted to get to, back to COVID before we move on. Some videos came out over the weekend. A British woman who can't use her legs to walk properly, she uploaded several videos showing her condition in an Instagram account with nearly 5 million followers. An Instagram account. Instagram. Social media giant. Her account, 5 million followers, was restricted by Instagram 
so that it is not so prominent and no longer recommended. Her name is Georgia Rose Siegel, 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 S-E-G-A-L. I'm not sure how she pronounces it. She's only 34. She shared a, a series of videos showing the adverse effects she had after getting her second dose of the Pfizer shot. The video was uploaded and it contained this explanation, quote, since the 29th of June, after her second Pfizer jab, Georgia has had daily episodes of fainting, developing into neurological issues, losing the use of her legs. And yes, she was perfectly fit and healthy before. I've seen the videos. They're horrible. It's three videos. And in that compilation, the woman can be seen almost falling to the ground as she tries to walk without any assistance. Another shows her legs spontaneously spasming. And the third shows Miss Siegel walking with a wheeled crutch in the hospital. The videos were shared by the Instagram account I'm Just Bait, I-M-J-U-S-T-B-A-I-T, which has 4.7 million followers, got more than 100,000 likes from users who saw it. As a result, Instagram put the videos in restricted mode. What that means is that they will not be easily viewed and will not be recommended either. Apparently, Instagram's decision comes in response to an information campaign about vaccines with which they are trying to convince people that the vaccine is safe. And Ms. Siegel's case is, quote-unquote, exceptional. We are running the largest online vaccine information campaign in history. And thanks to our work with the National Institutes of Health and the UK government, we have directed over 13 million visits to accurate information about the virus and approved vaccines. None of the vaccines have been approved. Not one. They've been given emergency use only under the direct guidance of a physician. But that doesn't sound right. They don't want, nobody wants Americans to think, my gosh, I thought, I thought this was approved. My doctor said it was okay. Well, your doctor said it was okay because you said you wanted it. None of them have been approved for anything but emergency use, despite a bunch of comments to her videos, even saying that the videos were fake or that beyond that risk, the vaccine was like paracetamol, generally good. There were many who reacted to the videos confirming they will not be vaccinated. One of those said this, this is why I have not got it yet. I'll get it if it's life and death. But I have personal knowledge of many that had COVID and got over it like a cold. No one gave them a vaccine for my cold. Another user was a bit more explicit, and this is the SHIT they're trying to force into everybody's bodies. No thanks, had worse colds than COVID. One Birmingham, England waitress, Kavani Aird, said that after watching the video, she's more confident that she doesn't want to get vaccinated. I don't trust it. I just don't trust the government in general. I don't think it's worth the risk. You can imagine it goes on and on and on. Well, listen to these numbers. Of the 140,000 COVID deaths reported in the UK, only 237 of them were under the age of 30. And all this is a figure that is also attributed to the hesitation to vaccinate or not 
in this young age group. Professor Martin Marshall, who is the president of the Royal College of Physicians, said, what is most often heard from young people who don't want to be vaccinated is the fear of becoming infertile. That's just one more little reason why the question marks still go up over my head every time we get into this conversation. How could our government literally, they're talking about now of forcing us to take one of these vaccinations. How could they justify it? Now let me tell you, when it happens, and it's going to happen, when it happens, there will be very quickly a big-time case a lawsuit to try to stop it, that it's going to be given to the Supreme Court under the guise, the title, the purpose of an emergency intervention by the Supreme Court. It's going to be interesting to watch what happens there. This Supreme Court has made it very clear in all of the controversies that came up regarding the results of the November 3rd, 2020 election results. They've proven they really don't want to get in the middle of anything Congress does. If this is tried to be put in the arms as a mandate and it comes from an executive order from this president, that would be the only situation, in my opinion, the Supreme Court's going to act. Otherwise, they're going to say, not interested, y'all deal with it. That's scary, folks, and I'm not trying to scare you. What I'm trying to get you to understand is things sometimes aren't what they seem to be, but many times they are. And in this case, I think they're exactly what we think. The government is trying to take more and more control of the American people and force Americans in greater numbers to be as reliant, if not totally reliant, on the federal government as possible. Why is that? It's not just about money, it's about power. When you get power, you get money and everything else. So in the middle of all of this stuff and all of the chaos that's going on and all of the atrocities that are being perpetrated by our leaders in Congress, Pelosi's under fire, really under fire. She used to point her finger in anger at Donald Trump, but she leaves him in the dust when it comes to busting the norms and dividing Congress and causing mayhem. Nobody's done it the way she has. If anybody is to blame for the hyper-partisanship in Washington these days, and there's plenty of it. In fact, I don't think or see anything that's done that is not hyper-partisan. It's the spiteful House Speaker if there's one person you can place blame. She behaves more like a mafia don waging a gang war than a dignified, fair, and honest presiding officer, which is what she's supposed to be and every Speaker of the House of Representatives is supposed to be. Pelosi abuses her power, and she does it in ways that were once unthinkable. Her speakership has been the antithesis of Lincoln's entreaty to the better angels of our nature. Everybody in Congress, and by extension the nation, has been sullied by the spite and vitriol she's injected into Washington politics. There's no grace or Christian charity there. Just the barren wasteland of the zero-sum game. Power. 
just for power's sake only. She's past where she thinks, I've got to amass power so I can just have my way. Now, she's got the power, and she looks down at everybody. Nobody can walk on the same plane as her. It's made all the worse by her increasingly frantic claims to be a devout Catholic. Catholicism, it does not speak well of the way that Nancy Pelosi carries herself, believe me. And the fact that all of this venom is packaged in the shape of a little old woman, expensively clothed, a woman who has bestowed upon her an element of deference her actions don't deserve. Last week, there were a couple of signs that she's worn out her welcome in Congress. One was the game she did. She played over the January 6th Select Committee. She arbitrarily rejected two Republicans, Jim Jordan of Ohio, Jim Banks of Indiana, from an already Democrat-stacked panel. And she claimed integrity, which she doesn't know anything about. She may see it in somebody else, but she's never had any in Congress herself. She claimed that integrity required her veto since the two Republicans had, this is a quote, made statements and taken actions that I think would impact the integrity of the committee. (laughs) What about Adam Schiff? What about Nancy herself? This is a committee that includes such models of integrity as Adam Steele dossier Schiff. (laughs) She's scared to death of Jordan and Banks because they went public and said, here's what we want this committee to do. They wanted the committee to find out why The warnings that came from intelligence agencies, the FBI, and the National Guard calling and saying, we're willing to come there and make sure the Capitol is safe. And she, along with Chucky Boy, they said, no, 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 no. We got this. The Capitol Police will get it. And we know what happened then. The Capitol Police did nothing. And she's scared of these guys. That's the real reason. First time in American history, a majority leader of a party, when there's a committee being formed, ever stepped in and stopped the minority leader from appointing people that he or she wanted to serve on that committee. First time ever she's anybody, House of Representatives or even in the Senate, have vetoed any of the picks of the minority. Repeated requests have come from a bunch of people about the reasons for there being no follow-up regarding the reports coming from the Intelligence Committee. Simple fact, folks, she's not interested in an investigation. This is not going to be an investigation. She's only there to come up with a narrative, something that she can sell on CNN and MSNBC and quotes that will appear under her picture in the Washington Post and the New York Times. Once you go up to the top of the flagpole who is in charge of the Capitol Police, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker, has more control and authority and responsibility over the leadership of the Capitol Police than anybody else. So she doesn't want us to ask those questions. This is Banks speaking. Because at the end of the day, she is ultimately responsible for the breakdown of security at the Capitol. All of that that you saw play out on January 6th, all of the news coverage, all of the people breaking in 
and the violence that happened. And there wasn't a lot of it, thank God, but there was violence there. It can all be laid at her feet because she ignored the warnings, the heads up that she was given again and again and again, a big one from the FBI 24 hours before, and she just thumbed her nose at it. Another question for the committee would be whether the shooting of Ashley Babbitt by one of those Capitol officers was justified. Remember the D.C. coroner ruled it a homicide. That's a murder. A cop shot her. So why would we even ask if that Capitol officer was justified? Why don't we do a real investigation? I would think if my wife, my mother, my sister, my daughter, my sister-in-law was shot like that from behind in the neck by a cop in this environment in which we live in now, which is full of hatred and anger and vitriol for the police nationwide, don't you think we would at least know the name of the officer that pulled the trigger? Ashley Babbitt was white. The police officer you can see in the video that I've watched numerous times was African-American. Pelosi won't let his name be released. Another question. It could examine the very real and documented inhumane treatment of all of those suspects that I told you about who aren't charged with violent offenses, but they're still in jail without trial just down the hill from Congress. Many, most of them are in solitary confinement now for the seventh month. These people are in jail. Is this communist China? Is this Iran? I mean, come on, folks. Where's the outrage? Why aren't we hearing about this anybody, any day, on any major network demanding the government do the right thing, the constitutional thing. Give these people equal justice under the law. Nobody's saying a thing. Everybody knows Pelosi just wants to turn the commission into a third Trump impeachment stunt. And she's got to make sure it stretches on into next year. Midterm elections coming up next November, right? Her vain hope that it's going to distract midterm voters from the car crash. <laughs> That's what we're calling the Biden presidency, and we're being kind. That's all she's got, folks. Her nastiness almost cost the Democrats the House in November. She just hung on to a very, very slim majority in the House, a threat, the smallest majority of any previous House of Representatives controlling party in history. Why are you allowing a lame duck speaker to destroy the institution? That's what House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said last week when he very wisely and should have withdrew all five Republicans he had nominated. He took them off the committee. Tit for tat on Sunday. Pelosi slyly anointed the anti-Trump patsy Adam Kinzinger to join his fellow pariah Liz Cheney as her pet Republicans. Do you know who Liz Cheney is? Wyoming member of Congress, Dick Cheney, former vice president under George W. Bush, his daughter. (laughs) She happens to be, in polling, the most disliked Republican in government. (laughs) So you got Liz Cheney and you got Adam Kinzinger who came out very loudly. He hated Trump, hates Trump, hates conservatives that don't don't, uh, put Trump in 
Hillary's basket of deplorables and want him thrown in jail. So what did Nancy have to say about Adam Kinzinger? He brings great patriotism to the committee's mission, she declared. And she put the word patriotism out there just like she uses the word integrity. She didn't, she didn't know anything about either one of them. And of course, Adam, he's a, he's a, a flamboyant guy. He's a loud mouth. He served the nation, and I appreciate his service. And he just rolled right in there for Hillary. For Hillary, look, I just said, I just called Nancy Pelosi Hillary. Here's what Adam said. Today I was asked to serve on the bipartisan January 6th Select Committee, and I humbly accepted. When duty calls, I will always answer. Such humility. Wow. One more note, we're going to move on. It's up to McCarthy now to give flesh to the Freedom Caucus demands for a privileged motion by the last day of this month to vacate the chair and end Pelosi's authoritarian reign as Speaker. He can put the motion out there. Her tenure is destroying the House and our ability to faithfully represent the people we're here to serve. Now, it's not going to pass. It's going to fail. But it's well worth the exercise because it'll tell the American people, people in Congress, they don't like the House Speaker and they want her gone. And that may feed what's coming up next November. And a lot of people think it's going to be a bloodletting. A bloodletting of Nancy Pelosi and her fellow Democrats. Remember this, every two years, every member of the House of Representatives is going into an election. If they want to come back, they've got to run for re-election. If they want to unseat somebody, they got to run for election. All of them. 435. That's a lot of people to pick from. But at this point, in this government, in this nation, at this point in history, it'll probably be the very biggest midterm election in my lifetime I'm going to be a part of. Crime is rising. Mr. Ripamoff. Yes, Dorothy. A report radical Democrat from New Center policies. 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7. Wastebusters, they expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Ripamoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir. They're the Wastebusters. News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Scum. Scum. <laughs> Pete Moss, that's that's a good longtime friend of mine. We used to work together in radio. He uh, He's big time, folks. He does what he does for major networks around the nation. He does that for us here because he is a flaming conservative. And uh, he's probably somewhere to the right of Attila the Hun, (laughs) which means he's way right. Anyway, he's just like the rest of us, trying to puzzle through and find out why the heck our lawmakers do some of the stuff they're doing. I mean, it's all just SMH, shake my head, because there's no way to come up with a real answer that is plausible. Didn't say this earlier, I'm sorry. If you want to join the show live, give us a jingle. Toll free, 866-37-TRUTH. That's 866-378-7884. This Arizona Senate audit thing, election audit, it's kind of, um, it's beginning to rub on me a little bit. We should be well down the road of getting those results out. And we're not. So the Arizona senators, they control the House uh, in government, the, the Senate in the state government in Arizona. There are 30 of them, 1614 their majority margin. They issued another subpoena to the state's largest county, Maricopa County, that's Phoenix, for materials related to the 2020 election. Senate President Karen Fan and Arizona Senate Judiciary Chairman Warren Peterson ordered the Maricopa County's Board of Supervisors to hand over ballot envelopes or ballot envelopes images, voter records, and computer routers or router images. So this board is controlled by a Republican, was also commanded to provide all findings concerning any systems breach that took place within six months of that election, as well as all usernames and passwords for machines used in the election. The board has been ordered also to appear at the Arizona State Capitol for a hearing next month, August 2nd. That's next week. Failure to comply will constitute contempt of the legislature. But a board spokesman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors told news outlets that the county has already provided everything competent auditors would need to confirm the accuracy and security of the 2020 election, which is poppycock because they haven't. Officials refused to provide some of the subpoenaed items. They were subpoenaed specifically and supposed to turn over things. And you heard what their official statement said. Uh, We've already done it. Well, they haven't. Despite a judge ruling the subpoenas were lawful after the county claimed they were overbroad and outside the scope of Arizona Senate's authority. Those county officials said they couldn't hand over computer routers 
or router images because doing so would pose a security risk. Yeah, somebody might get caught cheating. (laughs) Arizona senators initially threatened a, a new fresh subpoena. It's not clear what took so long. So the Senate in February, before the judge ruled on the matter, voted on a resolution to hold the county in contempt. One Republican state senator, Paul Boyer, sided with Democrats, presented the resolution from passing. So it just goes on and on and on and on. The big thing, the big thing that's missing. Now, these voting machines, anybody that does business with Dominion voting systems, their voting machines are connected to the Internet. Uh Uh-oh. So what does that mean? It's, 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 it's known. It's not even questioned anymore. Nationwide Dominion voting systems in states uploaded vote tallies to somewhere offshore, outside of the cities, the counties, and the states in which the elections were happening. Now, does that mean automatically that cheating happened? No, it doesn't. But what it means is the opportunity, at least the opportunity to cheat is there, was there and could have likely happened. So what's going to happen in Arizona? i got to be honest with you, I don't know. But I think uh, Arizonans are tired of this, and they want it resolved. They need to get this going on, pushing forward. Now let me ask you this. Even though we haven't looked at, had no access to this big infrastructure bill the Democrats are trying to shove down the American people's throats, have you listened to anybody talk about it? The, the, the details. Well, a bipartisan infrastructure, that's what they're calling it, is almost complete, they said, and it's almost ready for consideration by the Senate. Two of the senators who have been part of those negotiations said yesterday that almost all of the pertinent issues have been discussed and agreed upon by members of both parties. We're about 90% of the way there, according to Senator Rob Porton. Portman. He's a Republican from Ohio, and he's not running for re-election. He said, I'm here this weekend working on legislative language with colleagues and with staff, and I feel good about getting that done this week. He explained that the number one big sticking point in the bill is mass transit. Now, wait a minute. I got to be honest with you folks. Mass transit. That's the number one sticking point. If any of the other stuff that's included or we are told it's included are not the chief sticking points, if Republicans have agreed to Democrats' thoughts and ideas on that stuff, we're in deep doo-doo because we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars that is going to go if this bill passes and, of course, if it passes, Biden will sign it into law. Billions of dollars are going to go in people's pockets that ha- that are not supposed to get it. Portman said, we increased transit in this proposal. We also increased the formula going forward. That's the one issue that's outstanding, frankly, at this point. He expressed hope that he and his Democrat colleagues could get closer to finding common ground before the day ends. So another guy, another senator, another Republican, Senator Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania, he's not running for re-election. He is the ranking member on the Senate Banking Committee. He's been advising Republican negotiators, and he said that, two, transit is the remaining roadblock. He claimed Sunday that Republicans have offered lots of money 
but Democrats still wanted more. Toomey said that the federal government, which normally gives $13 billion to transit, gave roughly $83 billion this year. And they're saying that's not enough. Listen, I don't even want to go into it. Let me tell you, I am sick and tired, as most Americans are. We're sick and tired of our government even considering voting on some of these massive, horrible spending bills without letting the American people know well in advance so that we can digest the elements included in these bills, ask questions, and get some answers so that we can reach out to those who represent us in Congress and tell them what we really think. Do you think that's just accidental that that's happening every time there's a major bill being considered? Heck no. It's planned. Whichever party is in control, it's not just a Democrat faux pas. When the Democrats are in power... That's what they want to do. And sadly, too often when Republicans are in power, that's what they want to do. Not as bad as the Democrats. But both parties are guilty of loading up these bills with major, major giveaways that cost the taxpayers hundreds of billions of dollars. And they simply don't care. They don't care. We're going to segue into some southern border stuff and another big, big example of wasting government taxpayer money by our federal government. But this infrastructure thing, folks, here's what the American people think. And yeah, I'm talking for the American people. I'm talking for the majority of the American people. Infrastructure as it always has been defined. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. Right now, while we're live on the air, we're going to define infrastructure. You hear me typing, don't you? Let's see what the first thing that pops up. Definition of infrastructure. Let's see what it says. The the definition that popped up has absolutely (laughs) nothing to do. Let's look at an online dictionary. Let's just grab one, the first one that pops up. Uh, Webster Dictionary. Don't you hate it when you do a search and what comes up is another search page? Define infrastructure. I don't use, incidentally, I don't don't use um, Google and search. I use DuckDuckGo. So again, the same thing comes up again. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to find this, folks. This is ridiculous. Definition of infrastructure. Okay, an underlying base or foundation, especially for an organization or system. That's definition one. Definition two, the basic facilities, services, and installations needed for the functioning of a community or society, such as transportation and communication systems, water and power lines, and public institutions, including schools, post offices, and prisons. Definition number three, an underlying base or foundation, especially 
for an organization or system. Definition number two, that's what the American people in mass think the word means. And they think a bill that's written that may be signed into law, it's what it's supposed to be about. Quote, the basic facility services and installations needed for the functioning of a community or society such as transportation and communication systems, water and power lines, public institutions, including schools, post offices, and prisons. There should be nothing in any infrastructure bill at the federal level, not a dime spent for anything other than these basic facilities and services and installations. And because they know that most Americans agree with that, because of that, they don't want to finish the bill and put it out days and even weeks before they're going to vote on it. They don't want it to go to the various committees in Congress to analyze the spending and the real cost. They simply want to force it down the throats of their fellow members in Congress using as a guise, if you don't do this, the American people are going to know you Republicans stonewall the infrastructure bill. We haven't had a major infrastructure bill that did anything regarding our bridges, our roads, our communication, our power grid in decades, and you don't want to pass it. That's not the truth. Everybody wants infrastructure dealt with. Democrats want to load it with pork and money give-outs to their buddies and their various clauses around the nation. And there are some Republicans in that mode as well. So I told you we're going to go to the southern border. South Texas, Rio Grande Valley. That's the area around. If you leave Houston and go due south and then hang a right, okay, what that means is when you go south out of Houston, you hit the Gulf of Mexico at Galveston and you got to go somewhere. You take a right and go down the coastline and you go past Corpus Christi and you keep going and you, you go by all the way down to McAllen, Texas, right on the border. That's a little tip down there, southeast tip. That is the Rio Grande Valley. The river marks that border between the U.S. and Mexico. It's been the busiest border sector for illegal alien crossings for decades. But last week, folks, last week there was a big spike in numbers. Border Patrol reported they apprehended more than 20,000 illegal immigrants in just a week. And that's just one sector along the border. The rest of Texas, all of New Mexico, all of Arizona, and Southern California. At 20,000 doesn't include any of those. It's the hottest part of the summer. Apprehensions are skyrocketing, which is directly opposite of the way it is normally. Border Patrol Chief Brian Hastings said the number of large groups has gone up. A record-breaking 300 in one group encountered in La Grua, Texas last week. Within this group, one subject exhibiting COVID-19 related symptoms was transported to the hospital. At the hospital, the migrant tested positive for COVID. A lot of other large groups are coming over more than ever. A lot of them coming from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Venezuela, and Nicaragua, according to Border Patrol. The processing facilities in the region are once again overwhelmed. Illegals are staying overnight on buses outside the facilities because of overcrowding. In the Del Rio sector, 
which is actually further to the west from the Rio Grande Valley sector. In the Del Rio area, which has become the second busiest for Border Patrol apprehensions, illegals are sleeping outside between the Rio Grande and the border fence as the agency struggles to find transport and space to put them. Two days ago, the 25th, agents were dealing with about 350 illegal immigrants who had crossed within an 18-hour period, and they were Haitians, but numbering among them as well were Cubans, Colombians, and even one couple from Ghana, Africa. Several Haitians said they'd arrived across the river at 3 p.m. the day prior. They slept outside while waiting for transport. A couple from Ghana said they crossed at 3 in the morning, slept in a nearby tree-covered area. Meanwhile, between the two sectors, that's where Laredo, Texas, is located, right in the middle, busloads of illegal immigrants from the Rio Grande Valley are being sent there. Officials have sued the Biden administration to stop the transport of more illegal immigrants to the city. And it just keeps going. It just keeps going on and on and on. Well, um, there's some good news coming out of the Rio Grande Valley. Some good news coming out of uh, this administration, actually. And that is, excuse me, that is the Biden administration actually came forward yesterday and they announced that they're going to change one thing about their southern border policy and how they are handling the processing of family units. They're actually going to say that some of these people that they have been allowing to stay and transporting them around the nation, they're going to process them differently and send them back. Now, what does that mean? That means they are now, without publicly coming out and saying, we messed up, their actions are saying, hey, we got trouble down there, and we're going to stop doing what we've been doing, at least temporarily, and we are going to blame it on a policy, on a law, They never will just come out and say, we messed up. We made a mistake. They're not going to do that. They'll never do that. And I'm trying to get back to the the actual story because I want to give you the exact details. We're going to take our final break. While we're on break, we'll, uh, we'll go and get that story. Don't go away. We're wrapping this thing up. We've got less than 15 minutes left. Gosh, we get to this point every day and we say, we got to... We got to hustle. We got to get this stuff in. Everything's important here. We want you to know our perspective that's important to you to know when you consider these things. Back after this. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Here, the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. 
Welcome aboard Pizza Hut, where our legendary pan and stuffed crust pizzas will fly you to a world of flavors. Taste an all-American pizza sauce, juicy pepperoni, and farm-fresh mozzarella to discover America's mega pepperoni. Or explore the creamy pesto sauce. Chicken and mushroom is in the French creamy chicken mushroom. Fly far above the rest and taste of variety with five new pizzas. And thank you for flying Pizza Hut. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. While I was struggling to find that story, I remembered we didn't do a specific story. We downloaded an audio bite in which it's explained what was going on and why Biden changed his policies. And um, I want you to hear from the horse's mouth. exactly what's going on and why. Listen to this soundbite. The Biden administration changing course at the border. Some migrant families who do not qualify for asylum will now be turned away. The Trump era policy known as expedited removal allows immigration officials to remove migrants without a hearing before an immigration judge. It's happening as drugs crossing the border reach record highs with nearly 5,000 pounds of fentanyl seized this year alone. Joining me now, Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes. Uh, Attorney General, good to see you. The change the turnabout in this it, the issue of expedited removal. Do you think that this is a step in trying to create some sort of border security by the Biden administration? It's a step in the right direction, Dagan, after many, many missteps uh, along the way that have really opened up our borders and created a de facto open border system. And you alluded to it that the problem with that from a law enforcement standpoint is that cartels in Mexico are just sending illegal and illicit fentanyl and car fentanyl in the droves uh, right through the border. And it's a huge burden uh, on all of us. And it affects us, whether you're a border state uh, physically or not, uh, essentially we're all border states because that illicit activity comes directly up the southern border, uh, up our highways, and it's in our backyards, uh, Dagan. And right now, more than ever, we need to play defense and we need an aggressive defense. Uh, to use a football analogy, um, I mean, the, the cartels are literally on the goal line knocking at the door. And up until now, the Biden administration has allowed them to just walk the ball into our backyards. Mm -hmm. it's, it's frightening. The amounts are staggering. The percentages, Dagan, of illegal smuggling, just a fentanyl all alone, this, this highly toxic and lethal uh, synthetic opioid, it's 355% over last year, 4,000% increase in illicit smuggling of fentanyl and carfentanil uh, over the last two years. Liz Peak is here. Liz, jump in. So you, you mentioned that this was a, a good first step for the Biden administration. What would you like to see them do next? What what more can be done? I mean, forgive my cynicism, but I'm assuming this is all in response to polling 
that shows that Americans are really fed up with this surge of people entering our country illegally. But what next should the Biden administration do? There are so many things, not to be uh, evasive. I could take, uh, you know, hours talking about all of the different policies that the Biden administration could, uh, could to use to strengthen our borders. But, but I do want to just focus again on the impact that this is having, especially in light of this. We just settled historic uh, multi-billion dollar settlement against drug distributors and, and a manufacturer, which is finally some good news for Americans who've been dying in record numbers. This opioid epidemic is unbelievable. And the worst killer in the opioid epidemic right now is fentanyl and carfentanil. And, and without more aggressive border enforcement, which, which again, could, it's, it's increasing the, the ability of border agents to do their jobs without so many restrictions. I think the Biden administration had 94 different executive orders uh, on immigration, and many of them weakened our ability. Uh, you, you just mentioned the ability to hold uh, asylees until their cases were heard and we could make the determination. Well, finally, the Biden administration realized the, the wrong mind of, of turning back the, the Trump policy. So, Dagan, so many, many things. But, but again, in the context of what is going on, this is a huge threat to us. It's, it's the number one killer uh, of American lives. And carfentanil, mm -hmm. 10,000 times more right. lethal than morphine. Fentanyl, uh, 100 times more lethal. And the cartels are taking precursors from China, they're assembling it down in Mexico, and they're jamming it up. And if we don't play a much more aggressive defense, we are going to continue to lose American lives at uh, an unacceptable and tragic rate. You, you mentioned that Utah was part of the, one of the states, was part of the $26 billion opioid settlement. Under the agreement, the companies are required to reform the industry so this type of addiction epidemic can't happen again. Tell us about what you're going to do with the money that you received from that settlement. Sure, to be clear, none of that money is going to recompense families for lives lost. All of that money, there's, there's nothing you could pay to restore even one life that was lost. This money instead is going to two things primarily. One, for prevention, to make sure that we don't lose another generation of Americans. So education and prevention on one side, and the other for recovery and treatment for those Americans currently who are struggling in the cycle of addiction, who are struggling against the disease of addiction and there's so many. So this money will deploy these billions and billions of dollars out through uh, our nation, particularly to those areas hardest hit. And we believe that this is, Dagan, finally some good news in a very, very tragic and sad tale. Two big things come out of that story. One, the family units, the family units that in the past didn't know if they would qualify for asylum. The Trump administration turned them around and sent them to, back to Mexico, the remain in Mexico thing that the Biden administration did away with day one of their presidency. Biden is now saying, well, we're going to change things a little bit. Some of those families that look like they're not going to qualify for asylum, we're going to turn them away. That's a new thing for them. The other big thing is stopping this massive amount of horrible very serious, 
very critical illegal drug trafficking into the United States. Let me just, fentanyl is the biggie. What is fentanyl? It's a, it's a very powerful pain reliever. It's used in a lot of surgeries, but on a very low, 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 low dose. The fentanyl that comes across the border, one drug bust that happened, 118 pounds in one drug bust of fentanyl were captured. Doctors tested it. Of that 118 pounds, there was sufficient fentanyl within it to kill 28 million Americans. 28 million Americans. 118 pounds. So far this year, 5,000 pounds of fentanyl has been caught coming across the southern border. 5,000 pounds. Uh, It's got to be stopped, folks. We've got to stop that. More people are dying in the United States today from drug overdose than of anything else. That is insane. It's got to be stopped. And why any lawmaker, any nation leader, any state leader would be okay with that. So much so that Y'all come on in. We're not going to shore up the southern border. We're going to pay $2 billion to those contractors that we signed an agreement for them to finish that southern border wall. We paid them $2 billion to do it, and because we're canceling the contract, we got to pay them $2 billion more. That's exactly what's happening now. The insanity has got to stop. That's a wrap on the show today, this Tuesday. Folks, thank you so much for being here, and we will see you tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, Central, at TNN Live. Wish I knew what was going wrong Seems so very long since we left together It's no good to be all alone When you've hurt a friend And you both feel empty What I'd give to erase the pain afraid that our love may fade and we just won't make it maybe soon we'll be friends again find ourselves and then really make it happen Try again